Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. We are, I am remaking the lessons that we missed. This is lesson 58. Uh, I just made 57, so the same shirt. I apologize. Um, I could put on a coat or something, but I'm remaking these for the YouTube, for the content, for the study. Uh, so there'll be this lesson and one more lesson. And then this evening we'll have our normal lesson. So these last four messages you're going to see, same shirt, same me, uh, and so forth. And actually, if you will notice that the time on these are, le are like 15 minutes short, <laughs> shorter than normal. And that has to do with there's no one in the room here that as I'm making these, so there's no way to bounce off if I'm going too fast or too slow. And if I need to kind of develop a point better, so uh, you will uh, understand that why when you see the count being 40 minutes or 45 minutes and so forth, that's really why. It's amazing what an audience in the room can do for you. But uh, I want to get this stuff on the record and teach-wise because we're moving forward into Matthew. And uh, I'll make sure that the study of the book is complete. All right, Matthew 24, we got down through verse 21 last time, and uh, 22, and we'll say a few things here. Um, by the way, I left the things on the board from last lessons because we will be making reference to them as we move through here. Verse 21, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And again, that term, the great tribulation, the, the, is, is, where, is where we're at. But you'll notice it says, for then. Now, that's going to be a reference back up to verse 15, where the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stands in the holy place. That is the midst of the 70th week of Daniel. Uh, there's three and a half years Again, three and a half, three and a half. In the midst of the week, there's this time frame. That's why I kind of made it squiggle there like that, so that you have the ability to understand that there's some things here. So now we're beginning to move to the second half of the week. And the first half of the week has been covered from verse 4, 5, down to verse 14. You pick up in verse 16, and now you're going to run to verse 24, and we're going to be talking about the second half of the, the, the week. And uh, the 70th week begins, again, with the, with the manifestation of the Antichrist, with the signing of it, and it's only going to run for seven years. And uh, in that seven years, the first half of the week, um, is gonna, there's going to be some tribulation, but then the second half is what Matthew calls great tribulation. And it's a special time period in which some tremendous persecution and the wrath of God is poured out. And there shall be great tribulation such as was not since the world, the beginning of the world, to this time no nor ever shall be. And except those days be shortened. There shall no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. And again, that issue there is the issue of it not being a 24-hour period of time cut down to 8 hours or 16 hours. 
it, it's still a day. So it isn't a day like that, but rather he's talking about the timing of it. If it was, if if the great tribulation was allowed to run its full course, no no humanity would be left. They would all be destroyed. So for the for the elect's sake, God's purpose according to election, Romans 8 calls it, all right, Romans 11 calls it, the purpose here of God is to deliver some people, the little flock. And if that, dest- <laughs> that destruction of that group would then spoil his program of delivering the little flock into the kingdom, and that's what we're talking about. Now, verse 23, Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So it's very interesting. He shortens the days for the elect's sake, And now in that period of time, in this great tribulation back here, great tribulation, we'll add, there's going to be tremendous deception going on and a deceiving and a working to deceive the very elect. Okay? And it's very interesting when you get that. Look over with me to 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul describes this as when he talks there about they're going to deceive, they're trying to deceive the elect with signs and wonders. They're, they're, they're attempting to do something <coughs> to the little flock, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> to the believing remnant. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and with all power and signs and lying wonders. Over in Revelation 16, he talks about, for they are the spirits of devils working miracles. What he's saying to these guys is, is listen. When, that, when the great tribulation starts and is underway, there's going to be some tremendous... Come back with me to Deuteronomy 13. There's going to be some tremendous... <coughs> excuse me. I got all choked up. Deuteronomy 13. There's going to be some tremendous uh, assault on the little flock, so much so that... It could, it could deceive them. It's going to look so real to them. And it's going to look so... They're going to, they're going to look at things here that they're going to see it. And if they don't follow the Word of God, the Scriptures given to them, all of the Old Testament through Acts, all of the Hebrews through Revelation, if they don't pay attention to the doctrine that's given to them and the books written to them, they could be taken away. First John over there, he says, if they were of us, they would not have left us. 
but they weren't of us. Revelation, he says, they are the, the synagogue of Satan. So there are going to be some Jews who are going to look right, sound right, taste right, be right, fake it till you make it, and yet in the end they're not. That's what the Lord said to that one group. They said, hey, in your name we did all this. And he says, I don't know you. Depart from me, iniquity. Get away from me. I have no idea who you are. Now, Deuteronomy 13, verse 1. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and giveth thee a sign and a wonder, and the sign or wonder come to pass. So a guy shows up, he does the miracle, and it comes to pass. But now watch what he says. Whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. So what does he say? He does this thing, miracle, sign, it's real, it happened, it's legitimate. But yet he says, Don't let's not go by the word of God, let's go over here and go by somebody else. Baal worship. Verse 3, Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet, or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his, his voice. And ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. And the prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. What are they to do? They're to go over there. Come back to Matthew 24. They're, they're to go over there. They're to take that guy. He just told them not to follow the word of God, and they're to put that guy to death. They're literally to go over there and to deal with the false prophet. I told you Matthew 24, come over to Revelation uh, chapter 2. Revelation 2. Notice this in the first angel message to the church, the, to the little flock churches there of Ephesus, verse 2. He says, Revelation 2, 2, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. What are they doing? Hey, the, the guys have come in. They're doing lying wonders and miracles. Go back to Matthew 24 now. And he says, there in, in, in that time period out there, in this age, there are going to be some people come along with signs and wonders and if it were possible, it was going to deceive the very elect. It's going to be that persuasive. And the elect has the word of God to say, wait a minute, you're not that, you're this. And that's literally what 1 John is all about. Those tests, there's seven tests in 1 John that come along and tell, tell them, tell the people how to look at truth versus error. And you go over there and he says, hey, look, if, if, if they do this, then you don't do that. And if they do that, you do this. And you've got this, if we say, if we say, if we say, all through in those tests. And those Antichrist, when the Antichrist comes along and all these signs and wonders, people who go after that kind of thing, people who focus on the physical things are going to believe them, are going to be, be uh, seduced away, and yet... The elect are going to look at it, and they're going to use the Word of God, and they're going to test them and check them off. All right? Verse 25, Matthew 24, 25. Behold, I have told you before. He's, he's warned, he warns them. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. 
Behold, he is in the secret chamber. Believe it not. In other words, there are going to be a lot of people trying to deceive the little flock, the little flock into believing that they have seen Christ. They're going to say, there's the Messiah. There, there's going to be a great deal of deception out there in the, tri- in the great tribulation. And he says, listen, when they say that, uh, remember the word of God. Remember the Hebrew epistles. Remember what's coming. Verse 27, for as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, pay attention here carefully because where are we talking about? We're in the great tribulation and we're talking about the second coming of Christ, the second coming here. As he's going to come out now and show up, there's some things that are going to happen. His second coming will be visible, will be a visible kingdom. It's going to be noisy. It's going to be something that people can see and hear and know about. It isn't going to sneak up on them. It isn't going to be hidden, and it's going to be an open, known event. If you look at verse 30, And then shall appear the sign of man, of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. They're not going to miss the second coming. So don't believe someone that says, back up there in verse 26, he's here, he's there, he's everywhere, he's all over. No, when I, when he, what the Lord's saying is when I show up, everybody's going to know it's me. There will be no doubt when that happens. Now, verse 27 is often misunderstood and misused by people to say that he's talking about when he says they're, when he's uh, coming from the east and going to the west, and they'll, they'll use that issue about he's going out of the east and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. And when the Lord comes back, he's going to, when the Lord comes back and his route out of, coming back, he comes out of the north, Psalm says. He's going to go down to the, the seaboard there between the Mediterranean Sea and Jerusalem. He's going to come down. He's going to go down south of the Dead Sea and Bozrah and Idumea and all that. He's going to burn all that up down there. He's going to come over. He's going to cross over Jordan where everybody in Scripture crosses Jordan. And then he's going to put his foot down. So they say, well, see, look, he's going to come out of and he's going to do this. you know." And really, they forgot to read the verse. Because notice what the verse says. For as the lightning cometh, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Do you see the like and as, that simile, that comparison? So as the lightning, what does it do? Flashes across the, 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 the sky, that's how I'm coming. When it lightens, lightning, everybody knows it. Everybody sees it. It's clear for what it is. Guess what? His second coming is going to be the same way. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so, also, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be For wheresoever the carcass 
is there will the eagles be gathered together. Notice that. You go over there to, into, to Revelation 19, and you see that that's that great battle day out there, Armageddon back there. You go over there to Luke 17, uh, uh, Luke 17, and you begin to see that that's a reference to his second coming and the events. Uh, he's going to come out of the north, and he's gonna, his wrath is going. By the way, the new covenant established as part of his second coming, the resurrection of the Old Testament saints are part of his second coming. There's a whole bunch of things. Uh, he's, his wrath being poured out and so forth. There's a whole list of things that are coming in his second coming. And uh, the reference there in verse 28 about the eagles, that's a reference to the carnage that's going to result uh, at the end of his second coming. Verse 29, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now, what happens here with this? We're going to look at this passage this week and this lesson, next lesson. Is that you have people say that this passage is describing uh, the, the rapture of the church, the body of Christ. And people who say this, uh, they will take verse 31 to say this. His angels with the great sound of the trumpet and gather together his elect. The people who say this are what they call amillennialist or postmillennialist, and they don't recognize the distinctive ministry and message of the Apostle Paul. So I want to spend really the rest of the time just kind of comparing these two passages, Matthew 24 with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul gives the, the great detail of the rapture, the, the exodus of the body of Christ from planet Earth, okay, into the heavenly places, into our fulfilling Ephesians 1.10, the, about putting the, the governmental rule back under the headship of the Lord in the heavens. As he uses us. By the way, it's very interesting. Paul never says, I want to die and go to heaven. He says, I'm looking for my Savior and blessed hope. I'm looking for my great God and Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, he never says, I want to die and go to heaven. He says, I want to die. I want, I'm looking for being with my Savior. So anyway, verse 14. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15. I just want to do a comparison with you. Uh, I've got about eight or nine items here just to look at the two that, to demonstrate that issue here of Matthew 24 is not talking about the rapture. Rather, it is talking about the events around and associated with the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, verse 15. 
For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And there you have uh, the details concerning the rapture, what we call the rapture, the, the gathering together, Paul calls it. In Ephesians 4, he calls it the day of redemption, of the purchased possession. And we have those events. Now, you'll notice in both passages, we have the, the coming of the Lord. He's going to come with the shout with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. The believers are caught up together. They meet the Lord in the clouds and so forth. And that's what you see there. Now, Matthew 24, verse 31. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of the trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the earth to, from one end of heaven to the other. They will say that the gathering of the elect there that's you and I. He's going to gather us all up and, and so forth. And he uses that, the, the Acts 2 folks, the, the Calvinist type thinking and so forth. And uh, we, quite honestly, they don't usually have a leg to stand on. So I just want to give you a few notes here on marking the difference between Matthew 24 and um, 1 Thessalonians 4. Number one, Matthew 24, verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of man in heaven. There are clear, visible signs in heaven associated with the second coming of, of Jesus Christ in Matthew 24. You've got them listed there. The sun's going to do this. The moon's going to do that. The heavens are going to do this. In 1 Thessalonians 4, there are no signs associated with the rapture of the church, the body of Christ. There's no signs to tell you and I when and if the Lord is coming, whether his coming is near or far off. It can come at any moment. It is what we call imminent. That is, it can take place at any moment as far as we are concerned. Paul himself thought that in his day the exodus would happen. His terminology speaks that way. There is no way for you or for you and I to determine when the rapture is going to take place. Now, you can go around and get a lot of bad ideas from things about it, and you're still going to be wrong. Here in Matthew 24, they're in great tribulation. As the timing gets close, things begin to happen for them. Notice verse 28. Number 2, verse 28, 24, 28. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Again, that is a reference to Armageddon. The wrath of God there being poured out is what's in view in Matthew 24. Now, come over to 1 Thessalonians 4, but 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I 
Matthew 24, wrath, the gathering of the eagles, is in view. There is no wrath involved for the church, the body of Christ. We are not involved in the battle of Armageddon. And I know what happens. People say, oh, well, it's the wrath of man or the wrath of Satan or the wrath of the Lord. You know, it's interesting in Scripture, wrath is wrath. (laughs) And, you know, our study in Romans 5, we got down there in verse 9 about much more being saved from the wrath. Wrath is wrath. You and I don't aren't a part of it. We have protections there. We have his involvement. We have his word on it. We have his life, the issue of resurrection. We have the issue of the atonement. We have all these issues. And you know what? We've been delivered from, 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 10 says. So we're never going to see the wrath. Uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, 10, the end of that, even Jesus, which delivered past tense us from the wrath to come. It's already a done deal. So number three, there's no, I'm I'm sorry, number two, there's no wrath involved. In Matthew 24, there is wrath everywhere in this section. Number number three, verse number, uh, Matthew 24, 30. And then shall the the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, I'm sorry, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. In Matthew 24, people are, very, are sorry to see him come. Okay? They are dreading him coming. In Revelation over there, they ask the rocks to fall on them. They're not looking forward to it. You know, in 1 Thessalonians 4 and in 1 Thessalonians 5, there's great joy and rejoicing at the rapture. That's the day of our being reunited. Are you going to be sorry to see the Lord come? <clears throat> I hope you wouldn't be. And uh, I know sometimes we may think that, but in 1 Thessalonians 4, there's great joy there. We sorrow not as those who have no hope. He says there in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 13. Number 4, Matthew 24, verse 30. They shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. Who's coming in the clouds of heaven in verse 30? The Son of Man is. In 1 Thessalonians 4, who's, who's, who's in the cloud? Who's in the clouds? You and I are. The saints are. We're going to go out in the clouds. The, Matthew, the Lord's, he's coming back, Acts 1 over there, where they talk about the angels look there and say, hey, what are you looking up? He's going to come back the same way. But you and I, we're caught up to meet the Lord in the clouds. That, that great vestibule, that great protection. People, if there's a shout and a voice and a trumpet, we're going to get, okay, it's going to rumble. The, 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 the atmosphere is going to rumble. But they're never going to see what's going on because that cloud band's going to hold back from the earth to see that. Here in Matthew 24, number 4, you see the Son of Man in the clouds. You and I, 1 Thessalonians 4, we'll see the saints who are caught up to meet the Lord in the clouds. Number 5, uh, Matthew 24, 31. And he shall send forth, and he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. 
Christ is going to send his angels to gather the elect. In 1 Thessalonians 4, Christ himself comes to get the body of Christ. Okay? He, he himself comes. All right, that's number five. So he sends his angels. 1 Thessalonians 4 for the body. He himself comes. Number six, Matthew 24, 31. The angels are going to sound the trumpet. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, the trump belongs to God. It's God who's blowing the trumpet for you and I. Number 7, verse 31 again. And he shall send his angels, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. They are... There's no rapture there. They don't gather them into the sky. They gather them from the four winds, from the four corners. In 1 Thessalonians, Christ catches us up into the air. Okay? Number eight, nowhere in Matthew 24 is there anything to do with the resurrection. There's no resurrection in that passage. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, the dead in Christ shall rise first. In Matthew 24, there's no changing of the, uh, of the vile body into a resurrected body. Philippians 3, what do we learn? We get a new body. We're changed. 1 Corinthians 15, more, uh, mortal shall put on immortality, and the moment we shall all be changed in the moment of the twinkling of an eye there. We are changed without dying. Okay? They're not the same. That's my point. The resurrection, we're resurrected without dying. Matthew 24 is not. Go back to Matthew. You can let Thessalonians go. Matthew 24 now. It is not a reference to the rapture of the church. Matthew 24 is a reference, clearly referencing the second coming of Christ back to the earth. And what we're going to take, when that takes place, it's going to take place at the end of the 70th week, at the end of specifically the great tribulation time period, at the end of the time of Jacob's trouble. So 1 Thessalonians 4, for the rapture is not in the passage at all. Now, watch verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. So, okay? After the tribulation of those days. After what tribulation? Well, the tribulation of the great tribulation, back in verse number 21. All right? Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. After the tribulation, at the end of the 70th week, these signs, now this is critical here, these signs are going to appear in heaven, and Christ is going to show up. The signs appear after the 70th week is over according to verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. The 70th week concludes, here he comes back. 
He's coming back. And I point that out there to you because that's what happens here. That's what gets missed. That what, that's what gets argued and so forth. And really, that's where some of the trouble comes when you hear people talk about the day of the Lord, the great notable day, come over to Malachi 4. And what happens then is you get a lot of misunderstanding. You, you come to Malachi 4, and we're going to go to Acts 2. And, you know, you, you, you get guys that, you, you get ideas out there that begin to use verses and twist them around to say different things. And you, honestly, you have to pay attention to it. Malachi 4, look at verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So Elijah comes before the day of the Lord, right? Yes. Acts chapter 2. Look at Acts chapter 2. Look at Acts 2 and verse number 20. Acts 2 and verse number 20. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord. So Elijah is, comes in the tribulation period before the great notable day of the Lord. They say that that great notable day of the Lord is not the tribulation, that the, sun, the signs of the sun and the moon take place before the day of the Lord. Then, so, but yet in Matthew 24... They take place after the tribulation of those days. So the day of the Lord has to be after the tribulation, right? Okay, that, all right, that's what happens. Come over to Revelation chapter 1. You have to be very, you have to pay attention to this stuff, and, and it can quite frankly be a little confusing. Notice Matthew, Revelation 1 verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. So the book's going to tell you things that are going to come to pass out in the future. Verse 3, Blessed he that readeth and they that hear the words of this, what? Prophecy. Revelation is a book of prophecy all the way through. So that means that the churches in chapter 2 and 3 are future from when, the, when John wrote the book. All right, verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book and, it, and send it unto the seven churches. So where was John? He's in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And again, the Lord's Day isn't Sunday, okay? He's not, saying about, he's not talking about being in the Lord's Day on Sunday. He's talking about that issue about the Day of the Lord. And again, another way to say that is the Lord's Day, the day that the Lord possesses. And he's going to be, John's going to be transported out. Come over with me to Isaiah 13, or back with me to Isaiah 13. 13. John is going to be transported out into the future, and he is going to give information about the day of the Lord, the Lord's day. Uh, it has been said that Daniel is the outline, and Revelation fills in that outline, and that's 
very true the case. So we have in one passage that says the day of the Lord is the whole tribulation period. You have another passage that says that, a, that, that is going to show up in the tribulation period, but he's going to show up before the great notable day of the Lord, Elijah. Then you have another passage that said the sun's going to turn to black and the moon is going to turn to blood before the day of the Lord. Isaiah 13, verse 6, How ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand, it shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Verse 9, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil. This, that takes place in the day of the Lord. Verse 13, Therefore I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. Now, there's, another, there's a passage that says that the sun and the moon shall be darkened and heaven shaken during the day of the Lord. I've told, again, you've you, you got to have a road map here. You study in prophecy, you're looking at this stuff. It can be very difficult when you have come with an agenda and trying to prove something rather than just taking a piece of paper, writing things down, juggling them out, and putting them together. Look over at chapter 24, Isaiah 24, Isaiah 24, 21, Isaiah 24, 21. And it shall come to pass in that day, the day of the Lord, that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high and the kings of the earth upon the earth, and they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in, in the pit and shall be shut up in prisons, and after many days shall they be visited. The moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his ancients glorious. The Lord reigns in Zion and in Jerusalem after the tribulation, after the second coming. So this passage is a passage that fits out here in the kingdom. And what's it called? The day of the Lord. So the moon is going to be confounded and the sun ashamed in the millennium. All right? Now, let's think about this. The day of the Lord isn't just one event. It's a, it's a day. There are periods all through the day. So you have a passage that says the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall be turned to blood during the day of the Lord. Another passage says it's going to take place after the day of the Lord. And another passage says that it's going to take place before the day. So you got all, you got, okay, now go back to Acts 2. All right, because let me help you with this. Acts chapter 2 and verse 20. Because I kind of read it real quick, and let's pause on something a little different here. Acts 2.20. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. Notice, the great and notable day of the Lord is a reference to the actual second coming event itself. All of the references that we looked at quickly, except for Malachi 4, said the day of the Lord. Malachi 4 and Acts 2 say 
the great and notable and the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So they are specific references to the point at which Jesus Christ comes back to the earth. And that's critical. Joel chapter 3, where Acts 2 is pulling from, Joel 3 verse 16, The Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake. When Christ comes back, He's going to shake up the constellations and the the planetarial systems out there. So you have in one passage that's describing the day of the Lord, not the great and notable day, but just the facts in the day of the Lord that that those, those signs are going to take place in the tribulation. Some others, they're going to take place after. One passage, we saw it, is over in the millennial And you know what? It's all called the day of the Lord. So the expression, the day of the Lord, describes a broad time period in which there is a great and notable point, dreadful point. And that is the time, that's the point of the, come back to Matthew 24. That's the point of climax in the day of the Lord, which is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, at which all those things are accomplished, and they're going to happen, lead up to, and they're going to go. So that special point is called the great and notable, the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And it's especially designated that way in Scripture, so that you can catch and, and understand that it's referring to the, His actual return back to the earth. So the day of the Lord is a broad term that has, very, that has a very special part called the great and notable, the great and dreadful day, the climatic point where He's actually returned. And the reason that those passages say that these signs are going to take place before the great notable day of the Lord is because they're taking place not in a general time period, but prior to his personal return back in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. Now go back to Matthew 24, 29. And unless you're thoroughly confused, just understand that when you read this stuff, you can't just say it's all one thing. It's, it's re- literally another. Especially that stuff in Isaiah there where he's talking about reigning in Zion, which is the millennium. Matthew 24, 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. Come over with me to uh, Ezekiel 32. Let's talk about the, this issue here. Ezekiel 32. The whole of the chapter of Ezekiel 32 is about the second coming of the Lord. Ezekiel 32, verse 7. And when I shall put thee out, I will cover the heaven and make the stars thereof dark. I will cover the sun with a cloud, and the moon shall not give her light. In other words, the sun's not going to give her light and it's going to be darkened by a cloud covering when Christ comes. And again, 
in the rapture event, we're going to meet the Lord in the clouds. It's the same idea here. Now, in trying to, look at verse 8. All the bright lights of heaven will I make dark over thee, and set darkness upon thy land, saith the Lord. Come over to Jeremiah chapter 13, or back to Jeremiah 13. I was trying to think about how the sun could be darkened with uh, a cloud covering, and I think of, of Mount St. Ellen's back in the late 80s, early 90s, whenever, 80s or whatever, when it blew up, the volcano. And it happened in the, during the daylight, and the pictures that you saw, I saw a documentary a couple years about it, you couldn't see. It was pitch black. And, and that's the idea. Uh, Jeremiah 13, look if you will at verse 15. Hear ye and give ear, be not proud, for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God because before he causes darkness and before your feet stumble upon the dark mountains. And while ye look for light, he turn it into the shadow of death and make it gross darkness. Notice God is going to send darkness on those people. And it's going to be darkness that's associated with the shadow of death, destruction. And that shadow is going to be, a, it's going to be cast by, you know, a shadow, you cast it by an object. You, you know, you make that. And uh, in Revelation, they're killed by death. And you see that. All right, back to Matthew 24. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. Again, the second coming of, of, of Christ is what he's talking to here. And he, in the second coming is going to happen here. And that's what we are seeing. So the second coming of Christ physically, literally, is going to be associated with and it's going to be likened to and is involved with all of this information that's happening here as well. Okay. By the way, there's great typology all through the all through the uh, prophets and the Old Testament about the 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 day of of Christ being likened as the sun rising and healing in his wings there in Malachi, uh, Hosea, and so forth. So you you can understand that. Verse 29: The sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Now, stars in the Bible are defined as angels. Um, and, and if you go over there to Revelation 12, verse 7 and following, you're going to see where Satan and Michael have, there's a war in heaven. And if you think about a war in heaven, and Satan and his angels are cast out, and he's got a third of the angels in heaven, and if angels are associated with stars, then... He's cast out, and down he comes. The problem with Revelation 12 is it happens in the midst of the week. We're over here after the week is up. So it, it isn't that at all. So the safest thing to, to do in verse 29 is to, to just let it literally be the way it is. There are, are uh, um, uh, a lot of things that are going to happen here that, quite honestly, are hard to explain, hard to realize just know that the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. You go back in the Old Testament, he's going to roll the heavens up, shake out the inhabitants, things like that 
That's literally what's going to happen here as we go. All right, verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Um, our time's up, I believe. We'll pick up in verse uh, 30 here next time with the sign of the Son of Man. Just let me say quickly, and we'll touch on this, that the sign of the Son of Man is not the sign of the cross. Um, it, that sign of the cross has been credited to the Roman Emperor Constantine, and he says that he saw the cross, a sign of the cross in the heavens, so he converted the whole Roman Empire to Christianity because of that, and he went forth, and you know he says, we went forth with the sign, we conquer, and all that stuff, and uh, honestly, we'll look at it in the next lesson, and we'll see that that is not the case at all, okay? All right, uh, we will, uh, let's close in a word of prayer. We'll pick up in verse 30 next time. Our dear Father, we thank you for the study here, for the look at this, for the understanding of what Israel, what that little flock will be looking at and looking for, and understanding that when, that, when they see what they're seeing, that they know that the days are of, of great tribulation are over and that they know that your coming is shortly to come. We'll give you the praise and the glory. In your name we pray. Amen.